Welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Degree in General Podcast. I am Al, and joining me today for the third and what we hope is the final part of the Console War series that we've been doing, Dan from Radio Free Borderlands. How are you hey, today, hey. Dan? I'm all right. I'm all right. You, you usually release these out, what, like a week? Yeah, usually I oh. do about a week. Sometimes I do two in a week. But So through the magic of the internet, it, it'll it seem to people like we haven't talked for a week when, when in reality it's just 24 hours after the last few. That is true. We actually recorded part one and part two of the series last night. And then we're recording part three the next day. So, yes, the I, magic of the internet. I sincerely apologize if I broke the fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. No, that's it. No, you stole the magic out of the podcast. Oh, the magic is all gone. Yes. So you don't have to listen to my podcast or dance anymore. Everything's a lie. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Please hey, listen. While we're at it, Rosebud was his sled. Oh, and Snape killed Dumbledore. Oh. No, we're just kidding about not listening to our podcast. Please continue listening to them. Uh, enjoy them. Share them with your friends on your social media of choice. Wait, that's your line, isn't it? That's okay. Yeah, that's how Dan usually closes uh, his, the Radio Free Borderlands podcast. And please feel free to share this on your social network of choice. Which for most people is Facebook probably. I don't know. Is is MySpace still a thing, or is like that kind of like an abandoned ghost town that only a few people inhabit? Well, uh, I killed off my MySpace account years ago, so I can't even log in to see it. <laughs> I'm pretty certain it's both still around, and very few people use it. Yeah, and it's like. I mean, do you happen to know why Facebook really took off and why MySpace didn't really go anywhere after a while? Well, I think part of it was probably the functionality because, uh, let's be honest, MySpace was not was not very function functional. Yeah, and really when I was on MySpace, I did a lot of social networking gaming on that one. But once I moved over to Facebook, I just haven't done a lot of social network gaming anymore and... I know Steve and I, we did an entire episode on that and, you know, some of the dark sides of social networking games, but that is not what we're here to talk about, not talk about those kind of games. So I don't know, to some extent, would you even consider social networking games to really be games or just kind of like semi games to waste time? Uh, I'm going to be straight. They're not my bag. They really aren't. Uh, I find the constant requests to be irritating. I'm not going to play them. But I, I think there's a level of elitism when people say that, oh, those aren't real games. You're not a real gamer if you're playing such and such on the Facebooks. You're saying it wrong. You're not a true gamer. Yes, I know. We, we, and we've talked about that before. Yes. But yeah, the, um, I, yeah, it's... I, I, I think everybody just likes to... You know, by knocking down that which seems lower, you feel higher. Exactly. And, you know, there are games. I mean, some of them, like, there might be a little strategy involved, but not really much. And I, we're not really here right now to debate what really can be considered a game. I mean, mm -hmm. I have to say rudimentary. There should be some degree of skill and strategy involved, which is why I think a lot of social networking games, some people wouldn't call them real games because it's more or less just clicking on stuff and there's not really a lot of strategy in them. But I suppose some of them can be considered games. I look at it this way. Farmville is, is nearly um, har Harvest Moon in, in social social <laughs> networking yep. sites. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, so. on, to, on to today's topic, something we can all agree are definitely games as we continue looking at the console wars. And now we are into the sixth generation, and the sixth generation is usually con considered to have began around, what, like, 99, 2000 or so. Yeah. And I think from here on, when one generation ends and another begins, that line kind of blurs a little bit, because one of the things that I think really helps separate the generations 
is when you look at the changing of the technology. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to draw a line between, you know, like the fourth and fifth generation because that's when, well, with the exception of Nintendo, most game systems around this time were starting to go from the, the old cartridges to a disc-based system. Well, I, another thing you're going to see, and it, it's not necessarily now, but with the next couple. Um, so we, when you're looking at seven or eight, this is going to be where where when one company releases a system, it feels like the other two major major um, players, yeah, they they immediately drop their technology. It's kind of like. You know, like the Wii U, the for for the new one, PS4 and the Xbox One, all kind of came out in, in within about a year, year and a half of each mm-hmm. other. It's it's getting to be almost I don't want to call it predictable, but it helps, I guess. Yeah. So on to the sixth generation, and this mm-hmm. is where one of the things that I think surprised some people is that Nintendo released the GameCube and finally switched over to a disc-based system. But it wasn't even what they thought. Yep, and everybody's like, "Oh, good, finally a CD system, or maybe a DVD system like the PS2." And it was, uh, was it UMDs? Yeah, those smaller discs. Which I mm. think wasn't like they're supposed to try to prevent piracy. Yes, yeah, and which of course doesn't really work because I mean, a lot of CD players, you know, even back then, you could still use those smaller discs in them. So I don't think it really was the, this great anti-piracy measure that Nintendo hoped it would be. So we had, of course, Nintendo, longtime veteran of the console wars. Sega had the Dreamcast, which was, I don't know, I think Dreamcast was always still kind of in the background. It, when it dropped, it dropped big and people really talked it up and, and it had a chance to go on and, and do great things. And then the PlayStation 2 came out and it was all but forgotten, kind of like the Saturn and I think that was the the end of Sega hardware. Well, it was the end of Sega hardware. Yeah, and from then on, they pretty much just went to focusing on developing mm-hmm. software, which I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I would rather see Sega be releasing good video games and not have a console than to have them have a mediocre console or a console mm-hmm. that doesn't get much support. Because even though I've always been a Nintendo fanboy, Sega has released some good games over the years. There have been a few that I've liked, so I really wouldn't want to see them go under. So that's why I said that's Mm -hmm. why I'd rather see them, you know, if it's up to me, I'd rather see them still be a software developer than try to focus on just developing hardware and software. But we also had the new kid on the block. Microsoft came in with the Xbox and I remember in, I think it was late 98 or sometime during 99, seeing uh, Bill Gates. He was at some computer show. And I remember when they were unveiling the Xbox, they had uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson on it. I don't know if you remember. Did you ever see that promo? I forgot what channel Mm -mm. it was on. If it had The Rock on, it was probably USA. Yeah, it it was actually kind of funny. I mean, The Rock is a funny guy from what I understand. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, he seems like he'd be a really cool guy to meet and hang out with, but like the, uh, he was talking with Bill Gates and he's like, you know, in wrestling, we're used to, you know, we use lots of catchy phrases like, you know, put the smack down on you. And do you, do you have any phrases like that in, you know, in computer, the computer world and Bill Gates is like programming hardcore CC or something like that. So he's like, mm-hmm. trying to be funny, but. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought The Rock was kind of funny in that presentation. Yeah, it it was hyped. I mean, the system didn't come out until late two thousand one, but but we knew about it for a good year and a half. Yeah, and I'm not sure how people felt whether they were ex- excited for it because you know the Microsoft Game Studios had been around for a while, so I mean Microsoft mm-hmm. had been making games, but they were more used to making games on you know the computer platform, the PCs. There were people who were concerned that the Xbox was going to choke out Microsoft, um, the PC gaming that they did. Yeah, because I know Apple also made an attempt to get into console with the Pippin. 
But I yeah. think that pretty much bombed rather quickly as well. Oh, it was so, just awful. Of course, this is also when we saw PlayStation 2, which I think one of the things that we saw in this generation is backwards compatibility became a thing now because, as I recall, PlayStation was 2 was compatible with PlayStation 1. Almost so, universally. Yep, so if you still had your copy of uh, Symphony of the Night... Uh, or Final Fantasy VII lying around, you could play it on your new PlayStation 2 and you didn't have to, you know, worry about, you know, getting rid of it or having to play it on, you know, your PS1. This was where Sony... Sony was the king, king of the hill at this point, especially in in this particular generation because they did everything right with the PS2. The backwards compatibility, the fact that it could be used as a DVD movie player for people who... You know, for the money you were going to spend on a PS2, to know that it could it could do double duty, so you wouldn't have to spend the money on a dedicated DVD player, which around 2000 was still around eighty to a hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's what um, I could is see. great. Yeah, and that's what I thought was pretty cool because I've never owned a PlayStation Two. Mm-hmm. I haven't really played a lot of games on it, but I've heard good things about a lot of the PlayStation games I've heard talked about. So, mm-hmm. again, just from what the limited amount of information I've heard about it, I understand it was a very successful system. And the fact that you could watch movies and listen to CDs on it mm-hmm. is kind of an added bonus because, I mean, let's say you've got a small bedroom or like, you know, like a small apartment or if you're a college kid, you know, instead of having to have your video game system, a CD player, or a DVD player, you could just do all that through your PlayStation 2. And yeah. I believe that's a trend that Sony has continued with their PlayStation units where not only do they play your games, but you can also use it for your other media devices as well. Another thing that Sony did that I really, really liked, and I really, I still respect it. I think it was one of the best things they did when they, when they showed, here's the PS2, here's what it's going to look like. And you looked at that thing. And when you realized, Hey, that's pretty much the same controller as the DualShock PS1 controller. That is true because I liked it. I liked that they didn't change it. They didn't add all of that ridiculous stuff yeah, like the I, N64. Yeah, and I'm sure we could do an entire show just on video game controllers because, mm-hmm. yeah, the N64 controller was pretty terrible. I don't know what they were thinking when they made it was, that one. So. It was bad. The Dreamcast was pretty bad. GameCube controller, it's okay. I mean, it's better. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than the N64 one. Mm-hmm. I because uh, we have a couple N64 controllers because we have a you know, we still have our Wii, and the version we have is backwards compatible with GameCube. Yes. So you know, we picked up a couple of GameCube controllers, and yeah, I said they're okay. I still think that I prefer the the classic controller mm-hmm. if I'm playing on the Wii or. I still have to say the Super Nintendo had my favorite controller of all time. I just felt it was really comfortable. I felt the button placements worked really well. Just my opinion, but anyways. PS1, PS2, I think, was the best one, followed by the SNES for me. Yeah. And I guess technically it would be PS1, PS2, 3, and 4. Because they're all... I mean, there's little changes for the 3 and the 4, but it's essentially the same setup. Yeah. And Now, as far as games, uh, have you played much Xbox or much GameCube? No, I never really got a chance to with the prices on these things. I I made my pick and I stuck with it. Um, I grabbed a PS2. If if I had a chance and if the, the price was right, I would consider picking up a secondhand GameCube. One of the things I thought was cool about the GameCube was the fact that, you know, all of the other ones are trying to be, you know, they're black or silvers and whites and grays and stuff like that. And they, it's just been like that since the mid-80s. Here comes the GameCube. It's purple. Yeah. <laughs> I was and, like, that's pretty rad. <laughs> and I think, didn't the GameCube also have a place where you could play your Game Boy Advance games as well? It may have. I think it did. I think so. But that's one That's one thing I thought was interesting. And mm-hmm. as I said, I haven't played a lot of games for the GameCube some of the ones I've played, I have enjoyed. I mean, I've played like the Paper Mario, uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. I don't know if you ever played that one. Uh, no, but if it's anything like any of the other Mario Kart games, it's probably awesome. It's actually kind of different in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son and I did record an episode on Double Dash. I just haven't 
uh, posted it yet. Because one of the things that was different about Double Dash is you had two characters on your vehicle instead of just one. And hmm. there were default teams like, of course, Mario and Luigi, Princess Daisy and Princess Toadstool, you know, and Bowser Sr., Bowser Jr. But what happened is the, there was one character that was driving and then there was one that was, you know, holding a weapon. So you mm-hmm. could switch back and forth between the two characters and you had to be a little strategic with, with choosing your team because each character set had different weapons. Uh, the only ones that were really unique was Koopas mm-hmm. uh, because there was the the green Koopa and the red Koopa. And if you got the special weapons for them, the green Koopa, he just gave you three green Koopa shells. Red Koopa gave you three red Koopa shells. If you've never played Mario Kart, the reason that red shells are so awesome, they're basically like heat-seeking missiles. They'll seek out the nearest target. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since we played Double Dash, but I think you could do it where both players were on the same cart. So it That's was pretty a, rad. Yeah, it was actually a pretty fun game. Mm-hmm. The only thing I didn't like, the multiplayer battle tracks weren't as good as some of the other ones I've played. Mm-hmm. But other than that, still a lot of fun. Um, I mean, my son played, though, I said he had Paper Mario, I think I mentioned that. I know there was also Super Smash Brothers Melee. It was a it was probably the biggest selling game for the GameCube Melee. Yeah, and I haven't I've only played it a little bit, but from what I understand, a lot of people think it's one of the best uh games in the Smash Brothers series. Mm-hmm. So that, I've heard that too. And of course they also had the Mario party as well. Yeah. Um one of the things GameCube gave, gave people that I think bumped up its sales really well was um, resurrecting a couple of old um, intellectual properties. The one that everybody wanted was uh, Metroid and Mm -hmm. the release of Metroid. uh, Was it Metroid fusion or was it Uh, Metroid prime was for game boy advance. Metroid prime was the one. Thank you. You know, this was our first taste in me- uh, of, of of a Metroid game since Super Metroid back in '93. Yeah, and I think so, uh, Metroid Prime was the first one where this one made the leap to 3D. But I've also heard it was a very good game. I yeah, I haven't played them, so I, I might someday if I see it at like you know GameStop because I know they did release the the Metroid Prime trilogy yeah. for the Wii. So I might pick it up someday. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, there were the Zelda games too. Yes, uh, I know they had, was it Wind Waker, I think. I know they also did release Ocarina of Time and uh, what was the other one? Um, Majora's Mask. They released versions of those for the GameCube as well. They they also did um, the Wind Waker. Yes, Wind Waker. That was the one that was released on GameCube and Wii at the same time. Animal Crossing is another series that my mm-hmm. son really likes, and I know that's I believe that started on the GameCube, which I don't know. I I tried playing it. I can't get into it. I'm not much into those like simulation type mm-hmm. games. Well, and the other thing that Nintendo always has in their pocket, and it's always going to be popular, it's always going to make them money, is Pokemon. Yep. So, you know, the fact that Nintendo owns the Pokemon properties, you know, they're they're gonna be okay. Meanwhile, you know, you had Sony, and what they had was, of course, the Final Fantasy series, which was still going strong. Some people, old people like us, <laughs> some of our, you know, some people hey, are. I'm not like, old. I'm 18 with 22 years of experience. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> but we'll, there are a lot of people out there that, that, that will argue, well, you know, these. these these uh, Final Fantasy games, these newer ones, boy, they're just not the same. And and I, my wife played through both uh, Final Fantasy X and X2 on the PS2. Both were really good looking games and they had a pretty good story. I just, I didn't want to invest that much time in it. So yeah. I just, I just threw myself on the couch and watched her play. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's like, I still have problems doing that myself sometimes, really investing the time to Mm-hmm. You know, to sit down and play a role-playing game for an hour at a time. And, you know, it's harder for me to do that. So mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. Now, 
I, I don't believe you ever had an Xbox, or did you ever really play much of the Xbox? I did not, but we all know, you know, there's the Halo series, obviously oh, yeah. was a monster on, on the Xbox. Um, was Knights of the Old Republic exclusive yes. to the Xbox? I think there were PC versions as well, but yeah, that was another game series that did really good on the Xbox. And again, in an earlier episode, Steve and I did discuss the Knights of the Old Republic. Now, the first Knights of the Old Republic game was an excellent game. It had an awesome story. It had a fair amount of uh, game development, character development options. The second one was kind of a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. It had better character development options. The story was pretty good, too. The ending was a total letdown. And pardon the the pun, but my only other complaint with uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 was that the plot felt forced. Get it? Forced? But, um, Star um, Wars, yes. I'll, I'll thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Do I hear crickets? Uh, <laughs> well, anyways, one of the problems with Knights of the Old Republic 2 is that it was rushed. Mm-hmm. And there were some parts of the game that they wanted to do, but they didn't get a chance to finish because they wanted it in the store by a certain time. So there were hints that there was going to be a Knights of the Old Republic 3, but eventually they they decided not to do that. And instead they just made, you know, the Knights of the Old Republic MMO. Mm-hmm. Which um, who knows if that stuff's considered canon because of Disney, but that's, that's a side no, point. <laughs> I don't believe it is. Another another series that I think really helped uh, Sony was, of course, the GTAs. Oh, yeah, because I know those were games that were really controversial. And it's I remember you were playing it one time and you're like, well, you don't have to play it in order to you know move the story along. You could just drive around and do insane tricks and it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and yeah, it was, it's a, it was a sandbox game, really. You didn't have to follow the plot. It was it was pretty immersive, and and for that reason alone, I mean, it, it it sold a lot. And there were there were a couple of games that that um, kind of went across the platforms. Um, some of the most popular games from this this generation were the original the original Guitar Hero games, as an example. Oh yeah, I don't think Guitar Hero made it to the Xbox, did it? I don't remember. Yeah, because I know it made it to it- the PlayStation. I I don't think it made it to the GameCube. For Nintendo fans, we didn't get to see a Guitar Hero until the the Wii came out. Yeah, but I th- I thought like Guitar Hero Two I think hit the Xbox. Yep. Now I don't remember where this trend started, but the whole downloadable games where I mean because I know Xbox Live they did it with the 360. I don't know if you could download games to your console for the original Xbox. I think you could. And I'm not sure about PlayStation because I know they did, Sony did make the PlayStation Network, which I believe you could go to like, it's kind of like the Wii Virtual Console where you can download games. Not on my PS2. Okay, so maybe um, Sony didn't I, do that until PS3. Either that or, let me, hold on just a second. Yeah, and to the audience, I do apologize if it seems that we're struggling on some stuff with, like, uh, PlayStation 3, especially when we get to the next generation, and PlayStation 4, is because, I don't know about you, but I have never played a PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4 game. I, I don't know. Okay. Because, yeah, I don't know anyone who has those consoles. Mm-hmm. So, if we see, it seems that we don't know a lot about the PlayStation 3 and 4. It's because we don't know a lot about PlayStation 3 and 4. PS2 had a hard drive that you could add on after the fact that would allow that kind of space. Yeah, because I'm not. Because I'm pretty sure the Xbox also had uh, upgradable memory as well. But let's move on to the seventh generation. And because this is where I know that Xbox did make the, you know, the Xbox Live service where. In addition to going online to play games, you could actually download games. On to the seventh generation, where we have PlayStation 3, so Sony's still going strong. We had the Xbox 360 and the Wii. Now, here's the thing. 
I would actually argue that I don't think <laughs> the PS3 was very strong. It wasn't a bad system. It really wasn't. But when you look at the final sales, the PS3 did fall short of the three. PS3 dropped 80 million worldwide where the 360 beat it out by at least 5 million. And then the Wii really took home the bacon on this for, for consoles, but it lost a lot of respect, which we can get to later. Yeah. And because with the Xbox 360, I didn't get one until they, the connect came out Mm -hmm. because my wife got it. And again, this is another show I want to do someday just about the whole extra gaming trend Mm -hmm. where, you know, the games that are meant to get you physically moving. And I don't know, have you ever played any connect games? Not connect games. Yeah, there. Some of them are. I played a few of them, not a lot, but a couple of them were okay. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, my son used to play Connectimals, where I mean, I have to admit, the Connect sounded like a pretty cool idea, where no more messing around with the controller. But of course, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the problem is you got to have a lot of room and you got to stand in a certain position. I mean, my son liked to play Connectimals, which was basically playing with virtual pets. So he liked that one, but yeah, it was a game that it's not going to hold your interest for, you know, very long. Yeah. There was, I don't feel like there was a lot of, like the hardware comparisons, I don't think they were there anymore. That, yeah. In comparison to like, you know, uh, the Super Nintendo and the 16-bit era. Yeah. so, So do you think that the graphically, the games really had much of a difference between 6th and 7th gen? I mean, I know there's definitely oh, yeah. some because, yeah, now we're finally in the era of high definition. Mm-hmm. You know, because at this time, high definition TVs are a lot more common. So mm-hmm. now you're starting to see the option to hook up these games using an HDMI cable instead of just using the, you know, the audio visual cables. So let's now, uh, have well, you ever the, played PlayStation 3 or I think you said you never little, really? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um and the thing is, is when you look at some of the, the big titles that made it out during this seventh generation, most of them, most of the hardcore gamer popular titles only hit PS3 and the 360. Okay. Arkham Asylum, Bioshock, Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty. You know, the, the Wii was really overlooked with a lot of these. Yeah, because I think the... You know, again, this is just Nintendo where they usually try to pitch themselves as being the family system. So Mm. the Wii was designed to be more of a casual gamer system. I mean, you look at Wii Sports, you know, the packing game for the the Nintendo Wii. Mm. It was games that you could just sit around and play with grandma and grandpa. I mean, my when we first got it. I remember my wife's parents coming over and we would play Wii Bowling and they actually kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that really was awesome about the Wii is mm-hmm. the virtual console, how you could buy you know, your older games again. But know? then the PS3 had that too. Yeah, and the Xbox 360 also yes. has it as well. But oh, another thing that we really start to see around this time are motion controls, which, you know, of course, the Wii... A lot of their games were based on it, you know, swinging around the Wii remote. Uh, and in the Xbox had the Connect, and PS3 had the Move. Mm-hmm. I, as I recall, the PS Move wasn't very well received. No, I don't even remember hearing a whole lot about it. Yeah, and I don't even think that the that the Connect was very well received either. I think it was one of those things where there was a lot of mixed games there where some of them turned out okay, but then there were mm-hmm. others that, again, the motion control just didn't work at all. So I think when you would talk about motion controls, the Wii really nailed it. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we've seen around this time is it's becoming more common for game systems to integrate with online services. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best examples there, Netflix and Hulu. I believe the both the PS3 and um, the 360 allowed for like subscriptions to the NFL deals and the Major League Baseball and things like that. Yeah, that I'm not sure because I'll be honest, I really don't use my Xbox 360 Live very often. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, I know that it can work with Hulu. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing I don't like, and uh, this is one of the things that really just irritates me about the Xbox 360, is in, if you have like, you know, a Hulu or Netflix subscription, yeah, you can download the app for your Xbox, mm-hmm. but you have to have a paid Xbox membership in order to use them. I mean, I just think that's kind of stupid because I'm already paying Netflix. Yes. Xbox allows me to get online, you know, to go to their store or whatnot. Why do I have to pay to, you know, use another paid service? Yeah, I believe with my Wii U, um, Netflix, the Netflix program is free. The application you download uh, Mm -hmm. to watch Hulu or Netflix is free. It's just that in order to use it on the Xbox 360, yes. you also have to have the Xbox Live Gold membership, which mm-hmm. I know it's only like, I think about $5 a month, mm-hmm. but still, I'm already paying, what, like 9 10 bucks for my Netflix, and yeah, but that's what I like about the Wii and the Wii U is I don't have to pay anything extra to use my Netflix or my Hulu. Mm-hmm. Did you have to pay for the, the, the service, w- w- even using like YouTube, stuff like that? I don't think so. I guess I, I haven't used mm. YouTube really on the 360. Mm-hmm. I mean, all in all, I one of the things that we really start to see, I think now, well, with the exception of the Wii, is you know with the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation, and you know even today, there's more of a focus on developing these hyper realistic looking games, mm-hmm. which I can understand to some extent why developers want to do this because they have these powerful new you know game systems they can use mm-hmm. but sometimes i don't know maybe this is just me sounding like an old man but i guess sometimes i think they do focus a little bit too much on the graphics and not enough on the gameplay in the story oh i'll agree with you there one of the things i remember though about the wii the other thing I liked about, in addition to the virtual console, is the fact mm-hmm. that the first generation of Wii's was backwards compatible with the GameCube. Yep, I have one like that too. Yep, same here. And that's that's awesome because if you did have any GameCube games, you could still use them. Or in my case, you know, if there were games that I wanted to play that were on the GameCube, but I didn't have a GameCube back then, you know, I can usually pick them up for a reasonable price at a, a local video game store. I mean, yeah, there's, for those of you who aren't sure, you take the t- if you have it sitting vertical, you see if there's a little uh, hinged door on the top of it, which if it's laying sideways, it'd be on the side, of course. And then yeah. you'll see the plugins for both the memory cards and um, and the GameCube uh, controller cables. Yeah, and yeah, because the I think the reason they took it off was to reduce the price. Mm-hmm. Because I remember uh, wanting to say it was like a year and a half, maybe two years after the Wii was released, they dropped the price by like 50 or 75 bucks. And I think it was because at the time the sales of the Wii were starting to lag. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of people that really doubt the future of Nintendo. Don't. And yeah, I mean, let's go into the eighth generation now. And this is where I've heard some people think that Nintendo really screwed up with the Wii U. And that's the tablet controller. Now, I understand you got a Wii U recently. Yep. um, Because Nintendo has something that no one else has. They have a lot of homegrown properties that everybody still likes. Um, So everybody wanted the Mario Maker. Yeah, because we got that too. And I know my son really likes it. He thinks it's a lot of fun. It is. Yeah, and I mean, some of the courses I've downloaded... Ugh, some really sadistic bastards out there. The The tablet controller can can seem clunky at times, but I, I, I think it has its benefits also. Yeah, and one of the things I like best about it is, because our Wii is hooked up to our, I'm sorry, our Wii U is hooked up to our main TV in our living room. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's say my son wants to play a game on, his, on the, the Wii U, there are some games that can be played on just the tablet, so he can watch his, his, you know, he can watch YouTube on it, or he can play, you know, a game while, you know, my wife and I either watch TV or, um, you know, or if I want to play a game on the Xbox 360. 
So I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Mm-mm. And it's pretty user-friendly because, I mean, it comes with the stylus. Yep. And, and it's because it's a touchscreen. Yeah. And now I do admit some of the original software, like I think, I'm trying to think because with the, the system we got, the mm-hmm. packing game was like uh, like Super Mario Brothers Wii U, which it was okay. I mean, I, I it had some features that were kind of cool with the tablet, but it didn't really impress me. It's it just wasn't as much fun mm-hmm. for me as like some of the older Mario games, like the you know Mario DS and the mm-hmm. you know the Super Mario Three. Not a bad game, just mm-hmm. it didn't impress me as much as some of the other ones did. I think this this also brought uh, PlayStation back to the forefront, and because I really do think the PS3 it it, it was the loser out of, out of the previous generation, at least in sales and, and whatnot. But when but the PS4 has been selling really well. Did the PS3 do Blu-ray or is it just the PS4? Oh, I don't remember. Yes. I'm pretty sure PS3 was also Blu-ray. Yeah, and again, here's another thing we see where mm-hmm. there's you know, where we see that the the systems are being designed to be your all-in-one entertainment system, though I believe the Wii and the Wii U don't play... I know they don't play DVDs, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're designed to play CDs either. Because, again, I think Nintendo is still trying to shoot for the more casual and for family-oriented gamers. Well, and some of that stuff also adds to the cost. All in all, I mean, I really enjoy our Wii U... Because there's some good games we've gotten for it so far. I mean, my mm-hmm. son really likes his Mario Maker. It's backwards compatible with the the Wii games. Also, another thing we like about it is that if you've got like your you know any games that you purchase on the Wii Virtual Console, mm-hmm. you can transfer those over to the Wii U. This was one of the generations where I remember actually seeing a shot taken. Uh, it's been a while. You know, you got to go back to, I think, fifth generation before you really see a lot of shots taken about systems. Um, Sony took the shot. It was right around when um, Microsoft was talking about releasing the Xbox One in such a way where games wouldn't be able to be sold or purchased oh, used. Oh, yeah. Which I think has hurt them because I, I don't know for sure whether or not they ended up doing that. But it doesn't matter. The damage has been done. Yeah, and so I, I know Sony. Oh, go ahead. So Sony came out with a with one that's talking about you know sharing games, right? Well, we've devised a, uh, uh, here at Sony, we've devised a way to allow players to share games. We're going to show it to you now, and then all of a sudden the screen backs up, and then there's instead of the one guy, there's two guys, and he hands them the game. He goes, "Here you go. Try this. <laughs> Thank yeah. you." I know you're talking about digital rights management. I. Th- Mm-hmm. That's been one of those hot button issues among gamers and game developers for a long time because, you know, of course they don't like it that, you know, if I wanted to, I can take my, you know, my video games and I can sell them and, you know, the Nintendo or Konami or whoever, they don't get any money off of that sale. But I know what you're talking about because I, I think the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Its launch, from what I understand, was a disaster. I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, Xbox One. Uh, okay, didn't we already have the Xbox One? And so that name is confusing. I know when it's abbreviated, it's the X-Bone. So, again, I don't think that, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I... <laughs> you got a Beavis and Butthead flashback? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there was the... the my inner 13-year-old <laughs> made a joke. Yeah, and... I know some of the other things, like, I think when the the Xbox One was in development, it was going to be designed in such a way that you always had to be connected to the internet. Uh, I mm. I think that's how they designed it, but I think they took that feature off. I know it had the Kinect integrated into it, and of course people didn't like that either, because I guess there's security concerns that someone can hack into your Kinect and use it to spy on you in your living room or your bedroom or wherever you have your, you know, your Xbox set up. Mm-hmm. And I think they, again, yeah, they were also going to do that digital rights management issue where when you bought a game, you're the only one that can use it. And like, let's say you get a, you know, a copy of whatever game 
from like GameStop, you have to pay a fee in order to be able to use that game again. A lot of gamers were really up in arms about that. And mm-hmm. I, I can't blame them. And I know I wouldn't like that either. Because one of the things I like about having a physical copy of a game, as opposed to getting like the digital version, if I get a physical copy of a game and I don't like it, you know, I can take it to a secondhand place and I can sell that game. Yeah. I can at least get a few bucks and maybe I can apply towards another game. But, you know, of course, you download a digital game. If you don't like it, well, then you're stuck with the game that you paid money for and you can't really do anything with. Or or you delete it and your money just went to the ether. Exactly. Yeah, that's one thing that's going to be, I think, one of those hot-button issues between gamers and game developers for a long time <sighs> is whether, you know, the nature of second-hand mm. games. And if you step back, you really step back away from where you are in this argument as a player or a developer or a hardware owner, whatever, it's really easy to see all sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's not going to get solved anytime soon. I can look at it and go, why? Well, I, I don't like this. And as a player, this bothers me. But I really do see where they're coming from. Well, to get back on track. Yeah. So unfortunately, we can't really talk much about the PS4 and the Xbox One. You know, the X-Bone. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I I played a little like uh, PS4, um, and the graphics were hot. I mean, what was what were we playing at the time? It was Call of Duty Black Ops Three, um, and 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 yeah, it was amazing. And uh, you know, the fact that it can be used for so many different things, I I think that's where the selling point has become. Yeah, and again, it's that whole thing about how nowadays your game systems are, Mm -hmm. they're designed to be multitasking where you can use them to stream movies and to stream games and, Mm -hmm. you know, to be your all-in-one entertainment center because you can listen to CDs and watch movies on it as well. This is where I think, um, this is where I think the Wii U is going to get its its comeuppance from all of the criticism over the past couple of years. Um. I really do think Nintendo hit on something when they when they released Super Mario Maker. And what's that? It's not just a game where you can dink around with it and, you know, here I made a level, I'm going to play it, and that's fun. Uploading and downloading games to other players, that's going to become a new thing. And it's all in this shared experience of the Mario world. Hmm. You know, we're all used to the graphics of these of these games. And, you know, you have your choice of, like, I think four different... Yeah. versions of the Super Mario games. Yeah, the original 8-bit, uh, the original Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario 3, Super, Super Mario, Mario World, World, and, and Super, Super Mario Brothers Wii. Yep. I and, think that's a cool idea. And and yeah, so th- what it's going to do is it's creating a different type of competition as opposed to things like Call of Duty or uh, Madden NFL or, 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 or even your old standard uh, two-player arcade style game or a street fighting game yeah. it's it's i'm making something you try to beat it yeah and i think uh there was a game for the ps3 little big planet mm-hmm. i think they also did kind of the same thing where you could make stages for other people to play yeah so let's look forward now i don't know when the ninth generation of the console wars is going to begin but what do you see happening in the future and i think you mentioned one of them where and I, I like that term that you used, shared experience. How so? You, do you think we're going to start to see games like, well, maybe Mario Kart? Maybe someday Nintendo will release a Mario Kart game where you can make your own Mario Kart tracks. It 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 only makes sense. I mean, they did something similar almost thirty years ago. Remember Excite Bike? That's oh yeah, Excite Bike. You can make your own tracks on that. And yeah, I'm hoping you- that they. I'm hoping they do one with um, with like the overhead versions of uh, Zelda. Wouldn't it be yeah. cool to make your own version of Zelda? That's true. And I know Super Smash Brothers Brawl and, and Super Smash Brothers Wii U, you can make your own stages on those. Now, for the Wii U mm-hmm. version, I don't know if you can share those or not, but that's something else I could see doing for the next Super Smash Brothers. 
Yeah. So that's something I could definitely see happening is the whole shared experience. And that's also going to include the co-op games. Um, I, I, I don't think games like Call of Duty, Halo, um, they're not going away. Uh, nor should they. They're really cool experiences as long as you don't get stuck with a bunch of 12-year-olds who want to inform you about your mother's sex life. Yes. You know, that's annoying as hell. The games are solid, and the idea is is a good one. Now, there is one thing that I unfortunately see becoming more common. See, for a long time, one of the things that people liked about Nintendo is they stuck to the whole idea of classic gaming, where you buy a game and there's not an emphasis on buying downloadable content. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, of course, you had all these other games where it's like, okay, you pay, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks for the game. Now, hey, you can go spend another 10 or $20 just on downloadable content, get more characters, get more, you know, multiplayer battlefields. Thank you, EA. Yeah, exactly. And... You know, because, like, stuff back in the day that for us used to be unlockable, it's like, oh, you know, oh, you want another character? Well, guess what? You got to, you know, you got to pay nine ninety nine to get this new character. Okay, maybe not that bad, but unfortunately. No, oh, it, it, to me, it's like what, what, what a lot of these companies want to do is um, a, a nonstop nickel and diming. Unfortunately, that is one thing I can, I do not see going away. I think you're right. They're, they realize it's a cash cow. They realize that there are people who will pay, you know, 40, 50 bucks for a game and then it'll still pay an additional five, 10, $20 mm-hmm. on DLC. Now, he, here's a way that I, I'm throwing this out here. Um, if by some fluke, this idea makes it to somebody who's in the video game industry. I hope they take it seriously. But one thing I would consider doing for a lot of these is doing a, almost a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, A mix. Well, I, 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 the word I was looking for, I can't find. So we're just going to call it a mix. Uh, (laughs) Where it gives you a lot of information that you can unlock. But you still have the option for DLC. Yeah, yeah. Well, here, here it is. I have seven different levels that you you can either unlock through superior gameplay, or if you don't want to deal with that for five bucks, you can just buy it. Yes. So that, then the people who don't want to bother with that can still try to earn it without having to spend money. Yeah, that I could see definitely being a good idea, which means that. A game company probably isn't going to develop it, but <laughs> mm-hmm. the thought is there. Well, it is getting late. Uh, we, mm-hmm. like I said, so I would like to thank you, Dan, for joining me on this three-part series of the console wars. And some, you know, I hope you, the audience, enjoyed listening to some of our rantings and ramblings as we talked about, you know, we take a look back at where video games have been and where we think they're going. It's a video game that I'd like to see. What's that? I would like to see Hasbro release for a console a uh, virtual tabletop for RP. They get everybody on it. They get in. They use the headsets that they would use for Halo. (laughs) It has like a dice roller there. You can still be – it's basically just like an old tabletop game except you get to be on your TV because maybe everybody lives 50 miles apart. Yes, because I know they have stuff like that for the computer. But if they could do a console for that, that would be pretty cool. Looking at you, Fantasy Grounds, I have a (laughs) feeling that you could make a lot of money on this. Yeah, of course. No need to thank me. Of course, the problem with doing that for Xbox, I mean, probably have to, you know, be paying the Xbox Live fee in order to do it. But well, yeah, that's beside the point. So, any closing, any more closing thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I also think that there's. I think that the next few generations, it's going to turn into the the film industry, in a way where, I I, I think we're going to start seeing reboots, remakes, yeah, because. Yeah, they're already remaking Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. And in some cases, if it's done right, I am okay with it. Like, 
you know, as long as it's solid. Like if they, if they say we're going to, we're going to rebuild a uh, symphony of the night. And then I pick up my copy of symphony of the night and find out they just bastardized it as like some ridiculous 3d game. And it doesn't feel like symphony of the night and it doesn't play like symphony of the night. Then yeah, I'm going to have an, I'm going to have a problem with it. But if they find a way to really pretty that up and use the, the, the abilities for these systems while at the same time, respecting the 2d sprites then i mean i think that'd be hot that is true and uh because i I understand what you're saying because i i that's another show altogether remakes and reboots um but i i I certainly we're probably going to see a lot more of those in the future and i i stand by my statement that i i'm starting to feel like square square enix is becoming the george lucas of video games how's that stop ruining our childhoods <laughs> i thought by, michael bay was the one that uh ruined everyone's childhood well okay we talked about that but the one that everybody thinks about is you know here's lucas saying I- i'm gonna re-release the, the you know the original three this is back in the 90s but he added all that stuff and everybody got upset well i kind of feel like they did that every time they redo one of the final fantasy games they change stuff and it doesn't feel like the same game and it's just kind of like I saw one of the versions of Final Fantasy VI that they redid, and okay, yeah, sure, it's not as pixelated, but the sprites are kind of ugly, and it's just, ew, I don't want to play this. I think we've rambled on long enough, uh, but I hope you did enjoy this three-part mm-hmm. series on the console wars, and I don't know. I think it is kind of exciting to see and try to anticipate where things are going. Thanks again for listening, and... Dan, if people want to listen to you some more, where can they find you? Well, first off, I'd be surprised. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you can go on iTunes or Google or whatever and just look up Radio Free Borderlands. You'll find any links that you're going to need at that point. <laughs> yep. Let's do it the easy way. That's what everybody does anyway. Yeah, and of course, both you can find uh, both Geekery in general through Point of, Ingen- Point of Insanity Game Studio and Radio Free Borderlands on Facebook. Uh, also, I have my YouTube channel. Please feel free to stop by and check out some of my videos. So thanks again for listening, and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.